everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. everybody and welcome to a new episode of my K-drama podcast this week. This week I did, I, I watched a drama and I was about to say I feel very conflict. I don't, I didn't like it. <laughs> oh, I didn't like it at all. Uh, look, it was fine. It wasn't that good. I didn't like it. So the K-drama that I am chatting about with you guys this week is called Let Me Be Your Night. And full spoilers and be warned, I didn't like it. Um, But, you know, I've got some caveats to add to this. Number one being, I thought that the second half of this fluffy rom-com drama, Let Me Be Your Night, was very slow. It really spun its wheels. It went nowhere. And to be honest, I would have dropped it. And then I would have had kind of fond memories of the first half of the drama. I would have been like, oh yeah, that drama was fun. It was kind of zippy and cute and fluffy and I enjoyed the start. And then I just, you know, got bored and stopped watching it. But because I, you know, I was pretty close to the end and I'm like, no, I want to finish this so I can do a podcast on it. Because of that, I forced myself to watch some episodes towards the end of the show that I should have just dropped it. Because it completely ruined any joy I had about the, f- the front half of the show. And now I'm just like a big ball of resentment being like, this show is stupid. And it's not even that stupid. Like, it's not that bad. But unfortunately, I feel like I kind of poisoned myself against it by forcing myself to watch it when I wasn't in the mood for it. But I never would have been. So anyway. There you go. I feel like that expresses my general overview feelings of let me be your night. Um, so, you know, proceed with caution. Um, if you love this show, that is excellent. I think that's great. And I'm really sorry. Maybe you shouldn't listen to me talking about it because I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm going to rant and rave. Um, and I think it's OK. Let me actually tell you guys what this drama is. This This K-drama is called Let Me Be Your Night. It is only 12 episodes. It is fluffy rom-com silliness to the max. Like it's certainly not, you know, trying to be anything more than that. It is just a cute, fun rom-com. It is an idol drama in that it stars multiple idols, but it is about idols. Um, And it came out uh, towards the end of 2021 and kind of crossed over into 2022. Um... So, like I said, my general feelings around this show are a bit like skew if they're a bit all over the place. And I feel like I did actually quite enjoy it at the start. It was a real like, leave your brain at the door, turn on this drama, sit on the couch and blob out like you're, you know, a sea sponge or something and just, just soak in this silliness and have a nice time. But don't think about it or care about it. And I was really in the mood. I don't know what was going on in my life. I feel like I was very, very tired (laughs) when I started watching this drama. And I was like, leave my brain at the door. Yes, please. This is exactly what I need after a long day at work. I needed to come home and just switch off. And this drama was perfect for that. Like, it's very quick in the setup. It just gets started straight away. There's all sorts of romantic hijinks. Everything is silly as fuck. Like, it's so silly. But in a kind of a good way, just in a fluffy kind of quirky, zingy kind of dumb way that was really hitting the spot for me. But I do think that there was no story. (laughs) 
The problem with the drama for me was that eventually the story runs out and then you're just watching. I don't even know what I was watching. We kept like spending a lot of time with side characters because there was no real story for the main characters anymore. But I think the biggest problem for me was that I didn't really like either of the main two characters. And particularly as the drama progressed, I liked them less and less and I didn't buy the romance. So like, even though it's a fluffy, cutesy, quirky, silly drama, I still want some deep emotions with the romance. Like, I want a bit of swoon. And I got no, I don't know, was there chemistry between these guys? <laughs> I don't know if there was. Um, it wasn't very swoony. And then I was like, why am I watching this rom-com when there's no rom in this com? And also, we're barely getting any screen time for the mains because there's nothing for them to do. So anyway... Ranty McRant. Lots of ranty McRanting ahead. I do apologize. <laughs> oh, okay. So why did I watch Let Me Be Your Night? All right. So when this drama was about to come out, oh man, I've got shallow reasons for watching this and I feel embarrassed. <laughs> All right. So when this drama was about to come out, there was two sort of dramas coming out at the exact same time about idols. And I want to watch both of them. One of them was this one, Let Me Be Your Night, very silly, fluffy rom-com. And the other is called Idol for Coop, which is, I get the impression, I still haven't seen it as I record this, um, a little bit deeper and a little bit more character-based, um, less of the zippy rom-com vibes. And I really wanted to watch Let Me Be Your Night because I, I've been following the lead actor around K-Drama Land because that's just the type of fangirl that I am. Very embarrassing to admit it, but there you go. Immortalized on the internet for all time that this is the kind of K-Drama viewer I am. Um, how embarrassing. Uh, so the main actor in this is Ijun Yong. And, you know, he's great. He's got a handsome face on him. I've seen him in some stuff and I really liked him in it. So I was like, oh, he's in a new drama. I mean, it literally sounds the same as his old drama, which is a drama that he was also in in 2021 called Imitation, which is about idols. Um, they're actually very different kinds of dramas, very different. Yeah, but a bit too similar. Anyway, my point is I was like, I like him. I think I'll watch this drama. But I'm very interested in Idol the Coop. And I feel like I made a big mistake because... <laughs> As far as I've heard from everyone who's watched Idol the Coop, it is good and it is worth your time. And I, that's on my list. I really, really want to get started on that one soon. Um, and it sounds really interesting and a lot more emotional and maybe like it has an actual story. Idol the Coop, I mean, uh, was this drama, Let Me Be Your Night, ultimately <laughs> was a big disappointment for me. Oh, to the point, like seriously, to the point where I was like, I watched 12 episodes, 12 hours of my life. For what? For Lee Jun Yong? Look, I think this drama made me like him less than I liked him before. And if you have listened to my K-drama waffle on his past drama, Imitation, you will know that I liked him quite a lot. <laughs> so I feel like what this drama has achieved for me is like anti-K-drama. It has made me like all of the things in this drama less than I did when I started watching it. Which, you know, that's not what I want from a K-drama. Oh my goodness. So anyway, that's why I watched it. I watched it because I'm a shallow woman who likes to follow pretty faces around K-drama land. But it backfired so badly this time. And now I'm less excited for Lee Jun Yong's other stuff. And he's just in everything now. And I'm like, eh, I guess I'll watch it eventually. Anyway, all right, let's move on to the casting of Let Me Be Your Night. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so the lead actress is played by an actress. <laughs> That's not how you say that, is it? The lead character, the female lead, is played by an actress called Jong In Son. So Jong In Son is an actress that I don't know. Um, she's not someone I'm really familiar with. I've looked up the stuff she's in. She's been in quite a lot of dramas for quite a long time. Um, and I did recognize her face, but nothing that really stood out for me. Um, but she has been in a few dramas I've seen. I'm just going to list some of the ones. I don't know if she's had major roles or a more like kind of side roles, but she's been in Not Yet 30, which is a Kaka talk drama from 2021. Um, she was in Psychopath Diary in 2019. I did watch a bit of that drama. 
She was in My Secret Terrius in 2018, Welcome to Waikiki in 2018, um, Circle, Two Worlds Connected in 2017, and some drama called Naked Fireman. <laughs> I guess it's about a naked fireman. I've never heard of that one before. <laughs> anyway, she was in this. She was the female lead. My thoughts on this actress was that she was just fine. She was okay. I don't know. <laughs> but I really... I didn't like the characters in this drama and I don't know, maybe she's a fantastic actress, but I guess my experiences after watching this and not really liking the character very much, I don't know that I'll be following her around K-drama land, which is, you know, that's sad. And um, hopefully I'll be proved wrong in the future. I'm sure it's not her fault. I feel like it's the drama's fault. Um, so the male lead, like I said, is played by the actor Lee Jun Yong. So I really am confused about why this actor picked this role in a lot of ways. It feels really strange to me. So he he's in a lot of dramas lately. Like he's obviously, um, so he's uh, an idol from the band You Kiss and he is in, he's just been in so many dramas over the last couple of years and obviously really trying to break into male lead status, which I think he kind of has in 2021. Um, so I very first time that I saw this actor, Lee Yong, was in Imitation in 2021, which again, it's an idol drama. It is similar in a lot of ways to this K-drama, Let Me Be Your Night, except that Imitation is a bit deeper and darker. I don't know if the end of that drama is perfect, but I certainly liked the characters, all of the characters, a lot. I felt really, really invested in the romance, in the character growth, and in the situation that the characters were in, particularly around being idols and like kind of the exploration around what that might feel like in terms of dreams and hopes and the future, but also restrictions. Um, all the things that Let Me Be Your Night did not... <laughs> did not uh, touch on or discuss. And I really, I'm just, I feel so, I feel like it's so strange that this actor went from imitation in 2021 to also starring in Let Me Be Your Night in 2021, which is basically, in my opinion, sort of the same drama and the same character, but like light version or like shit version. <laughs> it's really odd. I just, I'm like, he should have done something different. And I know he is in a lot of other dramas. Uh, you know, he's in Love and Leashes, which is a movie on Netflix, uh, 2022 movie. And he's got some other movies coming up. And I think he's been cast in a heap of dramas. So he's obviously on the up and coming. Um, I don't want to say this drama killed me for my love for Lee Jun Yong, but I'm sure I'll get over that feeling very soon and love him again. I'll just need to kind of watch something else that he's in that isn't this drama. <laughs> His character is awful in this. All he does is yell at everybody and there's no like depth. He's just like a mean dude and that's his entire personality. Um, there's a couple of moments that he's cute and funny, but, but, but yeah, <laughs> wow. I don't normally get on this podcast and absolutely rip something apart. That's pretty different for me, but there you go. Anyway, so this actor has also been in, uh, he kind of had, I think, sort of a cameo one episode role in DP, which came out in 2021, which I still haven't watched. Really want to watch that one. Um, and he was in Please Don't Date Him, which is another mad drama, bonkers mad drama that I forced myself to watch because of this man. So I guess maybe like, because I've really forced myself to watch some weird stuff because of him, maybe that's why I'm like, oh, now I feel like I've, what, like overexposed him to me. And I'm like, I need a break. I need a break from shit dramas starring this man. <laughs> oh my God. I don't really love ripping this stuff apart. There you go. It's happening. Sorry. And then this drama also stars four random pretty men who play part of like the idol band group. Um, that's sort of, you know, the lead sort of group in, in the drama. I didn't recognize any of these dudes. Um, I think two of them at least, or one of them is from an, like an idol from a band, or I think two of them, sorry. Um, pretty much it's very, either very first acting project or very close to first acting project for pretty much most of them. Um, and I'll just run through the names cause I'm not familiar with these guys and they haven't really been in other stuff. Uh, so one of the actors is Jung Dong Ju. So Jung Dong Ju plays kind of the second male lead. Um, I want to say that the love triangle was not very inspired. <laughs> oh, I'm really just tearing into it now. It was fine. It was fine. Um, a dude called JR, who is um, an idol. Uh, he was good. I actually thought he 
did well. Like he kind of, he seemed like a good actor. His role was sort of interesting, except that I didn't really care about his character and what he was up to, but I liked the actor. I thought he was fine. Um, another dude called Yoon Ji Song, uh, who is an idol, I think. And then um, the kind of the band rookie, the rookie of the group, um, played by an actor called Kim Dong Hyun. And I did quite like him. Kim Dong Hyun uh, plays a character called Gaon, and he's just sort of like the little sweetie kind of one in the group. And he probably out of all the other dudes in the group, like when he had a side journey or a side quest or we're following him on a side plot, I was like, yeah, okay, I can do this. I quite liked him. He was just sort of sweet. And then a whole bunch of other people, as there always is in these dramas. Um, so that's kind of the casting. <laughs> my next question I always ask at this point of my discussion is, should you watch it? Should you watch Let Me Be Your Knight? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm tearing into this hardcore. And I feel like if I'd stopped watching after I started getting a bit bored and sidetracked, I'd probably be like, oh yeah, you know, it was fine. Like I enjoyed it. It was cute. It was sweet. It was kind of silly, but sometimes you're in the mood for that. You know, like I love a tropey kind of very silly drama. Like if you're in the right mood for like surface level romantic fluff, then it really hits the spot. And when I started watching this drama, that's how I felt. I was like, oh, this is really working for me. Like this is, it's so stupid, but I'm really, really enjoying it. And then everything just devolved into me being like, I hate this. I hate every moment of this. Why am I watching this? But I have to say, it's not actually as bad as I think it kind of has become in my head just because I didn't enjoy the last part of it so badly. So I think... I guess what I'm trying to say is don't let me put you off if you haven't seen it and you're interested in seeing it. And also, please forgive me if you have watched it and you actually loved it and you think that everything I'm saying is complete rubbish <laughs> and untrue. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. I feel like everyone has such different taste around these things. Um, everyone has, I don't know, such a different experience sometimes with levels of swoon as well, like particularly when it comes to personal taste stuff and the kind of storylines that really appeal to you. And I think probably if I'm honest, one of the other problems with this drama, <laughs> which is a very personal taste thing for me, that is a little bit off-putting for me, is I have a weird thing about lying. <laughs> like a big issue with when one of the main characters in a story is a big liar who just lies, big lies all the time and just lies to the other person and the other person falls in love with them while not knowing that this person is just a big liar. It like, I don't know, it doesn't endear the lying character to me and I really don't ever like find that very appealing. So part of me wonders if me kind of really tearing the show apart <laughs> and um, very vocally hating upon it in my podcast, you know, potentially it has to do with that setup being not a favorite for me in that, you know, i kind of started this drama on the wrong foot with me being like, I don't know about this girl. She's a big liar. I don't know if I like her. So, you know, it's hard to get for me personally to get behind a character like that and, you know, really be caring about their happy ending, which is, you know, that's just a weird personal issue. So should you watch it? Sure. Watch it if you want to watch it. I don't know. <laughs> Do it if you want to. Chuck it in the bin if you don't want to. I don't know. This one, it just wasn't really for me. That's what I'm going to say. Um, and now I'm going to say a whole lot more than that because I'm going to tell you a bit about the setup of Let Me Be Your Night, the 2019, wait, no, 2021. My gosh, I cannot get my years straight anymore. The 2021 um, rom-com fluffy idol, fluffy rom-com drama thing that exists. All right, let's go. Alrighty, so let me be your night. Set up story. This is what happens. Um, one thing I did really like, like particularly at the start when I was actually quite enjoying this, like I probably thoroughly enjoyed about eight episodes, I think. And then it started slowing down for me. Um, for the last like four, cause there's only 12 episodes. Um, so yeah, I think I probably struggled for the last four, particularly the last two. I really pushed myself, <laughs> but I do think the first eight, I was actually having a perfectly fine time by 
you know, leaving my brain at the door um, while all sorts of mad stuff happened on my screen. Um, But one thing I did really enjoy was how fast the setup is. So, you know, you kind of get promised from the synopsis, you know, mainly the whole story is that a girl is going to lie her way accidentally. It's not really her fault, but still she's a big liar into living in a house with a whole bunch of idle boys who are all very pretty. And of course, hijinks and romantic hijinks will ensue. And so one thing I really like is with very silly setups like this, I like it when we don't spend too much time kind of um, in the lead up. Like I'm like, if you want to watch a drama because you want to watch a drama about one girl living in a house with five pretty dudes and all the romantic things that are going to happen, you know, you just want to get straight into it, right? Like you don't really care so much if it's very realistic in the setup, because obviously the setup's going to be silly because the whole concept is silly. Like this is literally just a big trope. The whole drama is just a trope, um, which is great. I'm not dissing that. I mean, I am because I didn't like this particular drama, (laughs) but I'm not dissing the idea of a drama that is a trope. I love tropes. I love silly kind of, you know, tropey concepts. And I'm very, very happy to kind of totally, you know, jump in with both feet into a story that is actually pretty silly, the long as I'm getting my kind of a tropey swoon out of it. Um, So I did really like how fast this one begins. So basically, um, it starts out with our female lead played by the actress Jong In Son. So her character's name is Yoonju. So Yoonju is your typical candy, kind of positive, happy, zesty, fun girl. She, So we find out that her past basically is that she is one of two identical twins. Does that make sense? <laughs> what I'm trying to say is she has an identical twin sister, also played by the actress Jong In Son. Uh, so Yoonju, as a child with her sister, her parents have died. They lived in this particular house and, her, you know, their parents have died in a car accident. They've gone to like, you know, I suppose an orphanage or a family home or something. Um, you know, they've become orphans very tragically. And her sister, when they're, I don't know how old they are, like 12, I don't know, 10, 14, whatever. Her sister gets adopted into the United States and gets a family. But Yunju gets left behind as she grows up in the orphanage. Um, And so now we've caught back up with her and she's one of these, you know, jack of all trades. She has like 50 different jobs. I'm not entirely convinced or certain what her job is. She seems to be a tour guide, but basically she seems to stand around on a bus filled with seniors, like Korean seniors, sort of selling them products while they drive around Seoul. I'm not entirely sure what kind of job this is. And then the actual office for this tour company, I'm doing like little umlauts with my fingers, like tour company is in a karaoke room underground in the seediest looking place ever. So Yoonju has a dream and her dream is to buy uh, the house that she grew up in with her sister where, you know, back when she was happy as a child. And it's this, I'm pretty certain, correct me if I'm wrong, is this not the same house that um, Han Hyoju and her like her webcomic dad lived in, or basically just her webcomic dad lived in this house in W2Worlds. I'm pretty sure it's the same house. I reckon it's the same house. So that was very exciting for me. But anyway, other than that, it was less exciting. <laughs> the whole drama, I mean. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Yoonju's dream is to rebuy this house where she was last happy. And so instead of like, you know, rebuying the house with this money that she's saved up for years, slaved over it. What she does instead is she goes to, you know, this dude who runs the tour company out of a karaoke room in a creepy seedy basement who sells products through her to the people on his tours. And she says to him, I want you to go and buy my house for me. Here's my life's savings and I'll sign any paperwork that you want me to sign without reading it, mind. (laughs) So I feel like anyone who's ever watched a K-drama knows where this is going and where it goes is Yoonju thinking that she's bought a house and of course she hasn't bought a house. And what she does is try to move into, like literally moving her shit into a house where this woman comes into the house and is like, what the fuck are you doing in my house? This is my house. And Yoonju's like, no, this is my house. And the other woman's like, 
No, because I'm a smart woman who has the paperwork for my house right here. Where's your paperwork for your house? And Yunju is, of course, like, oh, this seedy guy in a basement has my paperwork to this house. <laughs> and of course, he doesn't have the fucking paperwork because he is a seedy man in a basement who's completely fucked her over, over and stolen all her money. So, of course, she ends up jobless and alone or she has like a best friend who she hangs out with every now and then. And meanwhile, she's been sending text messages and emails to her identical twin sister who's grown up in the States. And they haven't seen each other for a very long time. And it sounds like Yoonju has tracked down her sister and really, really wants to get back in contact with her. And she's, you know, kind of wants to live in this house with her and but when the sister turns up, the sister is a very famous, like internationally famous sleep doctor. And she is in charge of a lot of celebrities who have insomnia and she's in charge of like solving these insomnia issues for these celebrities. So she's very different to Yoonju. Yoonju's very like fun and fluffy and scattered and, you know, very very silly when it comes to business matters. And her sister is, you know, a very highly educated, elegant, pantsuit wearing, straight haired lady who's very elegant and stuff. I don't know. And a doctor or whatever. Um, and so Yoonju finally, you know, gets her sister and her sister's happens to be in Korea for like a conference or something. And they sit down at a cafe and Yoonju's like, oh my gosh, I love you. I'm so happy to see you, sis. And like, do you want to live in my house? And I've got this house and my life's so great. Cause at this point she still thinks her life is great. And the sister's basically like, look, I don't care about you <laughs> at all. <laughs> and I've got a new family now. And you're crap and I'm going back to America. And so obviously Yoonju's heart is completely broken, the poor girl. And she's devastated. And then she finds out that the seedy guy who lives in the karaoke basement thing, whatever, who runs the tour company has stolen all her money and her life. So on top of this, uh, she finds out that on top of stealing all her money, this karaoke guy has also... <laughs> got her to somehow sign some paperwork because I don't know if she gives him her seal or she just signs some shit without looking either way. What a silly girl. Um, but she suddenly finds herself in an enormous amount of debt to some really intensely scary. They're not actually scary. They're very silly, but you know, for her, they're scary. Um, loan sharks who are constantly coming around and being like, you know, you've got to pay off your interest or I'm going to break all your bones or whatever it is. They say something like that, but probably in Korean, I imagine. <laughs> And so Yoonju is in a lot of trouble. So she gets to a point where she's so desperate that she's like, I need to ask my rich, cool sister who hates my guts for no reason for some money. Like I need to get a loan from her to pay back these really scary men who want to come and break my legs. And so Yoonju heads off to this very posh hotel in the city and she's going there to try and find her sister because her sister's there. Um, but meanwhile, there is a band and the band is a boy band, but it's a slightly different than a, I guess, a general K-pop dancing band because all these dudes play instruments. So their music's slightly different. It's still very like kind of fun and K-pop-y, um, but less of the dance routines, which is kind of sad because I love in dramas seeing all the dudes do the dance routines. But in this, you just see them practicing instruments, which I mean, it's cool, but it was slightly less interesting to me. <laughs> Um, anyway, so the, the leader dude of this band and the band is called Luna. Um, so the leader of this band is played by the actor Lee Jun-yong and this is our male lead and his character's name is Taeyin. So Taeyin is, he's just a big dick, like he's horrible. <laughs> And that's basically his entire personality. I do think for the first eight episodes, he's like, you know, a real horrible dude. He's like a real jerk. He's real cold. He's real mean. But there are these moments where there's a bit of sweetness that shows through or a bit of bluster, a bit of like connection and something a bit cute and fun. And then for the second half of the drama, he's just the worst. All he does is yell at everybody and be really mean to everybody and yell at everybody. And so the romance basically is Taeyin just yelling at Yoonju and like being real aggressive. And he's a lot bigger than her. So it's just like really scary. And then turning around and giving her really expensive gifts or singing her a song and being like, I love you. And she's like, whoa, that's a lot to take on right now when I'm a big liar. All right. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm turning in circles. Um, 
So to get back to the start of the drama, after that little preview of the rest of the whole romance, um, Taeyin is, you know, he's the leader of this this boy band or this band um, with four other dudes in it. And he is a total dick. And also he's very controlling. Like he writes the songs. He doesn't let anyone else do it. He yells at everyone in the practice. Um, but we also understand that he has a lot of psychological issues um, that stem back to the, the fact that he has this unbelievably strict, awful dad who's extremely mean to him, obviously had very high expectations that Taeyeon would be some sort of musical genius, which he is, except not in the classical music arena, which is, you know, the only music that his dad believes is real music. And so Taeyeon has a real sort of chip on his shoulder over his dad's affection, um, over his dad just basically being a total dick and not giving a shit about him. So in turn, that's how Taeyeon treats everybody else. I feel that there's an interesting story there in terms of why Taeyeon is the way that he is in this drama. And there's, you know, this one scene with his dad at the start that really, you really understand why Taeyeon has these problems, why he's suffering so badly from insomnia, which he is, he can't sleep. Um, so he's got a lot of problems. And I do think this one scene shows you that, but then it's like, it's just ignored for the whole drama until the very end where he confronts his dad again and suddenly everything's fine and his dad's real mean to him. And he's like, I don't care what you think, dad. And then he just goes off and lives his life really happily. And I thought it just should have been threaded through a little bit more. It felt really strange that it felt like the whole reason for Taeyeon to be the way he was, was because of his dad. And then it was like, we just never mentioned that again until it's just somehow magically solved at the end of the drama. But anyway, I mean, it's not like I was looking for some sort of really deep, meaningful character progression here. <laughs> Maybe I was, I don't know. I feel that dramas can be silly and fluffy and tropey and light, but also have deep character work and deep emotional character arcs and have very swoony, deep feeling romance. Um... And this one didn't. It just had the fluff. Uh, so we're basically Taeyeon, like I said, is suffering from insomnia. So his manager or his CEO or whatever is like, let's get this identical twin lady from America to be your live-in doctor and live in this house with you and the other four members of this idol band and, you know, solve your problem. Because the big problem with Taeyeon is that he is sleepwalking all over the shop. And this includes him like just walking out onto the street and walking around and doing really weird things um, in public visibly. Um, and, you know, as a, you know, a really top idol and a very famous man, you just, you just can't be walking around the, the streets while you're asleep. It's no good. Um, also, I think he starts crawling into the beds of the other boys and like, I don't know, bashing them up or something. He's a little bit violent, I feel, when he's sleeping. So everyone's very keen to have this live-in doctor. But what the CEO of the entertainment company doesn't realize is that when he finds the doctor in the hotel and he's like, oh, thank goodness you came. I thought you weren't going to come. I thought you turned us down. Um, it is, of course, Yoonju. So it's our main female lead who is not a sleep doctor, but does need the money. And when she gets mistaken for her twin sister, who's an expert and shown how much money she's going to earn from just living in this house with these idol boys for one month, she the look, she does try and get out of it, but then she lies very intensely and signs a contract, presumably under a different name and no one bothers to check her credentials, which I suppose is fine because it's literally her face. And there's a lot of like online videos and conferences and stuff. So why would they think that she was fake, a big fake, a big fake liar? They wouldn't, they would never suspect this. Um, I did very much enjoy the fact that this CEO of the entertainment company is like, you know what would be a good idea? We've got these four, no, five, so many, five pretty idle boys and they live in this big mansion. I think the best thing that we should do is stick a similar age, very pretty woman to live in there with them and presume that there'll be no romantic business whatsoever because everyone's going to be very professional. I was like, you are asking for trouble, mate. Absolutely. And he was, and he did get it. So don't worry about it. Um, so Yoonju, you know, moves into the house with all these millions of pretty boys and everyone kind of has their own issues going on, their own little side quests. Some are slightly more interesting than others. The second male lead, a character called 
Yon, played by an actor called Jung Dong Ju. So Yon, you know, immediately really likes her. He's seen her one time in a bookstore and she said something about being sad about her dad and that really resonated with him. So he's like, you know, head over heels for her. But again, he's one of these sweet, quiet, um, passive sort of second male leads who doesn't do anything ever. Well, he does make her breakfast a lot, which is kind of nice. Um, so he obviously doesn't make it very far in winning over her affections and I'm pretty sure that at no point in the drama does she even know that he likes her I can't remember um and then the other boys one of the other boys um a character called Ishin played by an actor called JR so this was one I, I kind of liked him but he had this whole side story about which was actually kind of interesting and quite sad and I didn't really love the way it ended but um you know he's in love with this woman but I think she's 10 years older than him and divorced and I don't, I think she's still like, she's quite famous, but she's maybe, you know, at a, she runs a radio show. Like maybe she used to be a bigger actress than what she is now. So she's a bit more B-list. So it's a very kind of scandal inducing on his side. And I thought it was really sad because they just like each other, you know, they really, really genuinely seem to get along and have a really good relationship. And then they just don't end up together simply because of, you know, fans and expectations. And I was like, these are shit. <laughs> I didn't like it. I didn't think that was very romantic. But it was also a lot of screen time to a side thing that was going on. And I feel like as the drama for the first eight episodes, I felt like mostly we just follow Yoonju, a female lead, and Taehyung in the house. And basically what happens is Yoonju is trying to figure out how to solve his insomnia, even though she has no fucking idea what she's doing. And some of this is quite fun. Like, you know, she's kind of Googling stuff and looking up in textbooks and making him try really silly things. And he, he refuses to let her in his room, but she needs to kind of watch him at night and make sure he's not like, I don't know, walking off and murdering someone in his sleep. Presumably he's a lot of anger issues, this guy. So she like has a little tent in the hall just outside his door and she's always like watching him and stuff. And so, you know, and he really doesn't want her to be there. So he's just really mean and angry, but she's dragging him on hikes and making him do like weird puzzles and you know, eventually they sort of have this kind of bickering relationship, I suppose. And he begins to like her a lot more than what he wants to let on. And he, you know, if she's not around, he starts to notice. So there is a bit of cuteness there. And there's a bit there between the characters that I quite liked. But I feel like after the first eight episodes or so, I feel like it was around eight, it was like, it was like the drama maybe didn't know what to do with the romance. Because once Taeyeon confesses to Yoonju, I don't know, she just ignores him because, you know, she's a liar and she doesn't really want to start a relationship with a pop star when she's actually, he doesn't even know her real name. So, you know, fair enough to her. That's the correct thing to do, I think. Um, but it was like the drama just didn't know what to do with their relationship anymore or how to progress it or how to even create tension or anything. So it was like it just started um, kind of following all the side characters, all the other boys around on their own little side quests. And I feel like our lead character and their their couple, you know, their romance just got no screen time suddenly, practically towards the end of the drama. And I was like, what even is this drama about anymore? I don't know. So yes, that's, that's the setup. Basically, you know, just living in the house. She's a big liar. He's a big dick who yells all the time. And then, you know, he falls asleep and does weird shit every now and then. And that was it, I guess. I think that's the setup. All right, I'm going to talk about some of the stuff that I loved because there was some stuff that I enjoyed. I feel like loved is, is too strong a word, but let's say stuff that I enjoyed um, and then we'll go on from there. All right, so stuff about let me be your night that I mildly enjoyed. <laughs> no, it was a bit better than that. I did enjoy this stuff. Um, so I thought the songs were all right. I thought um, someone has put a bit of effort into the songs that they play in the drama. Um, the boys all sound pretty good and there are, you know, some catchy stuff in there compared to um, <laughs> some other dramas I've seen <laughs> where you'll have like a superstar and he'll have his superstar song and it is literally the biggest piece of shit of a song you've ever heard in your life. And you're like, I don't think this checks out. Anyway, I am thinking of the drama um, So I Married the Anti-Fan, where the lead actor is he's playing the biggest pop star in the world and his song is something like, 
I'll be your pump star. <laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> loved it though. I absolutely loved it. That was a much better drama than this one. Um, so anyway, I thought that a little bit of effort was put in, into the songs in this drama and I enjoyed that. So like I said, I do think the start was actually fun. It was very zingy and fluffy and it was silly, but I was kind of there for the ride. I think I was just really happy to oh, just just be taken on the ride of it and not worry too much about anything. And I just liked the romantic hijinks. You know, I'm really there always for a bickering kind of romance. And I love the forced proximity of living together. Like it's a great setup. It's a good concept. It works for me. Um, so obviously, you know, it's a fun trope, the idea of a girl living in a house filled to the brim with millions of, and millions and millions of pretty boys. Like we've all seen that a lot. Um, Cinderella and the Four Knights is coming to mind. Also a very silly drama, um, but much better than this, even though that one had a, not the best end as well. Still better than this one. <laughs> anyway, um, so I do like the trope of it. Um, I think the problem for me was just the characters. Like I liked the ideas and the concept and the setup, but I just didn't go for the two main characters, I suppose. Um, so at first I really quite liked the relationship. So I did actually enjoy the initial progression of the romance and I thought it was fun. You know, he's very blustery and bickery and grumpy and she's kind of very zesty and filled with life and just dragging him around, which is quite fun to see. Like, you know, she drags him on a hike up a mountain and he's exhausted and grumpy and, you know, just keeps she keeps making him do like really odd activities. Like, I don't know what he was doing, like some puzzle thing or some all sorts of just weird things that she keeps making him do. And I thought that was quite fun and just kind of cute seeing them. Like, I think particularly when they sort of join forces for a little while to pretend to the CEO that the insomnia treatment's going really well, because otherwise the CEO is going to, you know, I guess, get more involved in Taeyin's business than um, Yunju will herself. So Taeyin kind of agrees to pretend to let her treat him, um, which, you know, is just kind of cute. them just sort of on the same side, but still like bickering heaps and stuff. And, you know, there's some silly stuff that happens that I enjoyed. Like they go off to play in some sort of a gig and then they can't do it because it's raining or some shit. I don't know. And Tayan goes off into the – he falls asleep and, like, walks off into the mountain and gets lost in the rain and she's freaking out and finds him. And then, of course, you know, there's no mobile reception and they end up in a weird abandoned house, which is quite a nice house, I have to say. I'd like to clean that house up and give it a live. Um, but – I can't because it's in a mountain in Korea um, and probably a fictional house. Now I'm thinking about it anyway. And they, you know, have a bit of a heart to heart sitting in front of the fire. So I do like the more I think about the beginning of the drama, there was a lot that I really enjoyed and it wasn't all like kind of silly surface level stuff. There was a little bit of progression. I felt like they did make a bit of a connection between our leads and them sort of revealing little things about each other and clearly growing closer in their relationship. And then I just think they kind of drop the ball with that later. Um, so, yeah, I really liked all that stuff. Um, and I did really like at the start, at least the silly, fluffy vibe vibes of the whole show. Like, like I said, there's nothing wrong with a rom-com tropey drama. I actually, at the beginning of the show, it really, really reminded me of the same vibes as the K-drama So I Married the Anti-Fan which is one I kind of watched recently or, you know, in 2021, I watched it. And that's the um, kind of rom-com, modern idol rom-com starring uh, Che Tae-jun, who just got married to Park Shin-hye. How lovely is that? How nice. And also um, Soo-young. And I really liked that one. Like, So I Married the Anti-Fan is such a silly show, but I really, really enjoyed it. Like, I feel like it had enough... The characters had enough substance that I really liked them. I liked them together and I liked them separately. There was a couple of missteps and a couple of moments in the drama that, you know, were boring. And also the side characters were insane. <laughs> I won't even talk about them. But they, the, the romance was actually really swoony and I actually cared about them getting together. Whilst in this drama, Let Me Be Your Night, I just got to a point where I didn't care if they ended up together or not. Um... And I think that's the difference. I think you can make a really fluffy, silly, kind of, you know, idiotic, plotted 
romance drama that can still be really fun and hit the spot and feel like you like the characters and you care about them getting together and, and you know, you can still swoon. Um, so I feel like that's what this was at the start, um, for sure, which I really enjoyed. Um, I thought the sleepwalking trope was kind of fun. Like, um, it's kind of fun, I suppose, having a male lead. Like, he's so grumpy and crap whenever he's awake. But then he's got this huge vulnerability of doing things while he's asleep that he has no control over, like walking off and getting lost in the mountains um, or, you know, at one point falling over onto the female lead and his lips falling onto hers, of course. <laughs> Very silly. But I did kind of enjoy it, you know, like, so it's her job is to save him and to run after him and try and protect him if something, you know, if he goes walking off. Um, so there's a couple of kisses in the drama, but I... You know, nothing epic that I'm going to be re-watching on YouTube, that's for sure. Because <laughs> I do do that sometimes if the kisses are very epic. Um, anyway, <laughs> so there's, the first kiss is really when, you know, Tayin literally is asleep and he falls over onto his face. But instead of falling onto the ground, he falls onto our female lead and their faces mush together in a kiss. And then she pushes him off and he just pretends to still be asleep because he's he kind of wakes up right when he's on top of her, I suppose. So that was fun. Like, that's so like tropey and so stupid. But I was like, yep, I love it. I'm here for this. I love a, a weird fall on, fall on somebody else kiss. I always find that very amusing. Um, and then there's another kiss uh, which should have been really romantic, but just felt, I think this was the point where I, I started to lose interest in the drama. Like if I'm going to pinpoint an exact moment where I feel like it didn't work quite for me, it probably was this kiss and the confession. And I feel that Taeyin and Yoonju up until this point, our main leads, they have this very bickering relationship where they are beginning to have a connection, beginning to understand each other, beginning to feel something, maybe. Like she's a lot more reticent to do so because she knows that she's there under a false pretense. So she's very much trying to keep her feelings out of what's going on. But Tayin is kind of jumping in a little bit more. But at the same time, I just didn't feel like there was enough progression from the point in their relationship where Taeyin is sort of realizing that he might like her because he's getting a bit jealous when the other guy's hitting on her or he's kind of, you know, just sort of realizing that he likes it when she's around. He's annoyed when she's not around. He's wondering where she is all the time. And, you know, he doesn't like to see her in trouble or anything bad happening to her and particularly the petty jealousy stuff. Like, so I feel like it was very much so at the early stages of a romance on his side that he's just, just realizing what this might mean. And then suddenly out of what felt like nowhere to me, because um, at this point he's still, he doesn't know how to act around her. I feel like he's still yelling at her all the time. He's not even being that nice because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. It's not exactly his fault. We know he has a lot of trauma in his past or whatever. But it's just suddenly from this point of him very tentatively starting to lean into his feelings and realize what that might mean, we get this scene where he's written a song for Yoonju and he's out in this really romantic garden with like fairy lights everywhere and he sings this song to her and he's like, I've written a song for you and it's all about you know, it's about love. It's a love song. And then at the end of it, he kisses her and it just feels way too intense of a confession. Like this scene makes me as a watcher, you feel like, oh, he's in love with her. Like that's, this is what you do when you are in love with someone, not when you've known someone for three weeks and you're sort of kind of thinking that maybe you might be into them and you're a little bit shocked about this and you don't really know what to do about it. So I feel like the problem now that I'm it's so weird, like I never really know these things until I start waffling on it, you guys on this podcast. And then it's like, I pinpoint how I feel about things like by untangling them while I'm actually literally talking, <laughs> which is probably why, you know, things get a little bit meandery sometimes. Cause I, I don't really know until I'm, I start digging into it. But I do feel like this is the point, this is the exact point where everything started to go wrong for me um, because the jump in the, in the romance meant that I no longer believed in it. I no longer was really invested in the outcome of it because I didn't really believe that Taeyin was that deep yet. 
it just seemed to come out of nowhere. And then Yoonju's kind of like, get off me, stop kissing me and runs off, which is, you know, fair enough because she's a big liar. <laughs> but I felt like she's then like, yes, I like him. And I'm like, do you go? Do you like him? Do you like him? Like he hasn't actually been, I see that she would care for his well-being. I feel that she feels very invested in how he is and if he's okay. And I think that she likes him, like she's beginning to form a friendship with him, but I didn't really get the impression that she's into him particularly. And I would have again liked more from her side because from this point on, she just ghosts him and he alternates between yelling at her and being really mean or telling her that he's completely in love with her and trying to give her extremely expensive gifts and be like, please love me. (laughs) And I was like, this is just, there was no, it wasn't earned. I think that's what it was. There was no slow progression of the romance to a point where I felt like it, it felt natural for these people to be saying these things to each other. So this this jump, this skip in what should have been a progression is where the drama just lost me. And then I felt when, you know, that they're kind of apart now and both really awkward and don't know what to do. And she likes him, but doesn't know what to do because she's under a false name. And he's completely in love with her, but just displays that by yelling at her and yelling at everybody and being really mean all the time. Um, And because of this, they're like not really in that many scenes together and the drama doesn't really know what to do with either of them. So it spends a lot of time delving into the side stories of the other boys in the house, which are, is sometimes extremely boring. (laughs) Very boring. That was my opinion on that. So yeah, the kisses were fine. That's actually what got me started. Also, there's a scene where he chokes her like nearly to death. And I was like, what? So she, he falls asleep and she goes into his room to wake him up. And he literally, I think he like shoves her against a wall. Does he do that? I reckon it's all very violent. And then he's like choking her and then they fall on the ground or something. And he's literally squatting over the top, like sitting on her, choking her, like to death he's trying to murder this woman and then he wakes up and he's like oh you know what am I doing my hands like wow oh and he's really upset and but I think he's still sort of asleep or not I don't really know and then she kind of like leans up and like is really nice to him and gives him a lot of you know like comfort and like touches his face and and then puts her hand behind his neck and pulls him down. So like he's still on top of her, but now she's like hugging him, like kind of cradling him. And it's like part of me is like, oh, that's, you know, that's very, I don't want to say it's romantic because it's not. He literally tried to murder her by choking her. (laughs) This is where all the problematic stuff comes in. And I'm just like, I don't want to think about it. I just want to like lean into the romantic hijinks and the dumb stuff. Um, So I'm going to do that. I'm not going to go into why this scene is so wrong on so many levels. I feel like we can all figure that out for ourselves. But anyway... The point is, it was a very interesting scene. You know, it's a romantic thing because they're on top of each other and there's a lot of hugging. And it's this this moment of, I guess, progression in their relationship in that he owes her big time now. Like he did something very, very bad and he should have to make up for it. And then I feel like the drama just net, like, you know, there's a bit of him being like, oh, you know, I guess I better treat her a bit nice because I tried to murder her last night or whatever. And I'm like, I feel like there's more to unpack here. Like Tayin... While he was sleeping, he tried to kill somebody. He literally tried to kill somebody. This guy is dangerous as fuck. Like, he is twice the size of her. He is a scary dude when he's asleep. And then the drama's just like, nah, it's fine. Don't even worry about it. Let's never talk about the fact that he tried to kill somebody ever again. And I'm like, this guy has severe anger issues. Like, it is not just going to get fixed by climbing a mountain and doing a puzzle with this woman. But, you know, that is how it gets fixed. And he's just, he's fine by the end of the drama. All his emotional problems are resolved. (laughs) It's very silly. All right. So that was the stuff that I loved um, or the stuff that I was mildly okay about. Not the choking thing. Although I guess I was mildly okay about that too. Now I'm going to go into some stuff that I didn't love and I'll probably rant a little bit, a little bit more, you know, a bit more than I already have been. All right, 
more stuff that I didn't love about Let Me Be Your Knight. Let me tell you about the stuff that I didn't love. I think I already have, but I'll tell you some more. Him. I did not love his character. I thought his character was big dick. I thought he was stupid. I thought there might have been some emotional growth at the start of the drama, but then it was like it all disappeared and his entire personality was just yelling. That's all he did at everybody. And then towards the end of the drama, there's all these scenes where like all this kind of emotional stuff, because all the boys have these like really strained relationships, particularly with Tayan, because all he does is yell at everybody and be extremely controlling about everything. And there's all these scenes between all the other boys that is supposed to be like an untangling of all the issues with Tayan and like a resolution of all their problems. But Tayan was never involved in any of it. It always just seemed to be two of the other boys talking and kind of, I don't know, justifying Tayan's behavior. Like there'll be two boys and they'll be like, oh, well, you know, he only said that, but really he means this about Tayan. Like really Tayan's a good guy and you know really what he wanted to say was this. And I'm like, well, why can't he just say that then? Like, why can't we actually see some actual emotional progression for this character? But we don't at any point. (laughs) Although... There was a mad scene towards the end where he gets kidnapped and (laughs) it's absolutely fucking bonkers and came out of nowhere and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was like, yes, this is what I want to see, a bit of action. So Tane gets kidnapped by a mad woman who is completely in love with him and has like a photoshopped image of them in a wedding outfit, like a wedding photo on her wall and all these like photographs of him all over her weird basement concrete house and she keeps trying to feed him like noodles or like pasta or some shit and I was like this is fucking hilarious <laughs> and then obviously Yunju comes to save him and then they're having this big like deep heart to heart and I'm like can you guys stop having a heart to heart and you like actually just save this man who is tied to a chair right now <laughs> it's the worst time for a heart to heart and then all of the boys come to save uh Tayin, and it's very funny. I thought the whole thing was really funny, like just really stupid, but I actually really enjoyed it. And then they're leaving and Tayin is like, you know, helping, or Yunju's like helping Tayin or whatever, I don't know, out of the, um, you know, this concrete thing. And then the mad woman's in a car and she's like revving the car and she's going to come and like try and run over Tayin because I guess she loves him and she can't be married to him anymore because he's, he's run off. So she tries to squish him with her big car and then Yoonju's like, no, and she pushes Taeyeon out of the way and, he, and then she gets hit by a car and goes flying and then she's in the hospital. And I, I don't know why I thought all this was so funny, <laughs> but I did. Um, I actually really liked all that stuff um, because the last couple of episodes, like particularly the last two episodes, like I was – dragging myself through them. I was like, this is so boring. I don't like it. And then when the kidnapping stuff happened, I was like, oh, all right, something's actually happening in this show. So I got invested again for five minutes (laughs) and I laughed a bit when she got hit by a car. That sounds really bad. I'm not sadistic. Um, I didn't want her to get hit by a car, but it was pretty funny. Uh, which brings me to my next thing that I didn't totally love, which was her. So Yoonju, the female lead, I didn't really love her I just felt like I don't know she kind of felt like a paint by numbers character like you know Tayan is a one note character his character is he's an angry guy yells at everybody and is controlling and that's it he's just yells and her character was paint by numbers in it was you know it just has all the normal ingredients like she's poor she's a bit silly because everyone's like hoodwinked her into stealing her money and she's nice. And that's it. <laughs> what else? What else was she? I don't know. So, yeah, I just didn't feel like she was a very well-rounded out character. She's also a bit of a big liar. I get why she did that. I didn't really blame her for it. She was, you know, pretty desperate. Um, and I didn't love the resolution with her sister either. It's like her sister wants nothing to do with with Yunju, the female lead. And then eventually her sister just changes her mind and is like, don't worry, Yunju, why don't you move to America with me and sort out your shit life? And I was, and then that was it. She just, you know, they have a separation, her and um, Tane at the end of the drama. Um, I was going to talk about the end in a bit, but yeah, basically it's, it's whatever. I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care about her at all. <laughs> um, I mean, she's nice. She's fine. She's whatever. 
I think I just didn't get any heart pounding moments from her point of view. I didn't ever feel like she really loved Tayin. I never felt like her and Tayin could actually be a couple. Like, what would they even do together? Like, I, this is one of those dramas where I feel like if they actually got together and went on a date, I think they'd break up within like a half second. They've got nothing in common, these two. Um, anyway. I guess she could sit around and listen to his music. I guess that's the one thing, the one activity that they could do together. <laughs> Seems a bit one-sided. Uh, so, yes, my next point was that I felt their relationship was just wholly unbelievable. I love a drama. When you finish watching it, you're like, you know, and it finishes with a couple getting together and you're like, yeah, I feel like in three years' time in the world of this drama, this couple will still be together. Um Tale of Noctu, um, just to randomly pull out this drama that I really, really adore. <laughs> Sorry, that was very random. But that drama, they get together at the end and you're like, oh, these guys are together for life. You feel like you know those characters. You feel like you know them apart and together. You know what their relationship is and you know what their future could be. Like it feels like a whole world that exists in that drama. Um, this drama, I reckon they're going to break up in literally two seconds if they can even get to the point of being together at all. I don't think they can. I thought the love triangle was just not a lot of anything. Like, I'm not even sure why there was one because it was so kind of dampened down into practically nothing. It was just kind of this other dude making her breakfast and looking at her and being nice every now and then. That was about it. Um, like I said, all the side boys and their side boy problems, I didn't care about any of it. Like, you're one dude who's in the relationship and, you know, real sad and gets like, quite a lot of screen time and I liked him but I mean I didn't care about that whole storyline I suppose the only one I did like was Gaon who's kind of like the rookie boy he has a kind of a side story early on in the drama and I was still invested in the drama at that point which is probably why I actually bothered watching his side story with other all the other boys I started just tuning out I was like oh side quest boring um but Gaon's was kind of it was all right. I quite liked it. You know, like he, we find out he was getting bullied and he tries to leave the band and he's just sort of a sweetie and I kind of enjoyed him. Um, uh, oh yeah, I've just written <laughs> weird how Tayin nearly murdered um, our female lead by choking her and that was never spoken of again or worried about by anybody at all, including Tayin. If I was Tayin and I realized I'd nearly murdered someone, I would have been a bit more stressed out. I might have, I don't know, tied myself to the bed every single night so that I didn't go walking around the streets and murdering women, but you know, whatever. Uh, certainly the drama dragged for me at the end. It nearly killed me <laughs> and... The worst point of all, this K-drama made me love the actor Lee Jun-yong less than I loved him before I started watching this drama. Now I feel like I need a break from this man because I disliked all of this so much. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So the ending of Let Me Be Your Night, I've literally just written whatever, full stop. That's how I felt about the ending. I did really enjoy the kidnapping stuff, but not because it was good, because it wasn't good. It was bad, but I enjoyed it. Um, I felt like their relationship was nothing. I feel like it's not going to work out for them. <laughs> I There's not even a kiss at the end. The end was thoroughly unromantic. I got no impression. I don't even know. Like he's sort of bought her special house and he's going to rent it to her. And I feel like there was something almost manipulative in that, in that he's rich enough to be able to afford to do that. And it just sort of forces her into his proximity. And I'm like, I just never at any point got the impression that she's actually into him, like actually into him more than just being, you know, likes him and, and mildly wants him to live a good life and stop trying to murder people when he's asleep. Um, I never got any heart pounding stuff from her side. So I'm like, I don't even know if she's happy to see him in that last moment. And there's certainly no kiss scene um, that's worth anything. In fact, there is no kiss at all. Um, I also didn't love that Yoonju just goes off to America with no money and just lives with her sister and then sorts out her entire life. And I was like, that sounds awkward and strange. I don't know. It just it just seemed out of the blue and odd. Um, oh, yes. There was one thing that I really liked at the end. And the kind of the youngest little band, like all the band members get a little, this is what they're doing now. It's been like a year or something. I don't know. And the, the littlest one, Garon, 
we see that he's um, gone to university and he gets out of the car and he's walking in and, you know, he's like this mad famous pop star. So everyone's like, you know, looking at him and whispering and he's just like curling in on himself. He's like real shy and embarrassed. And then he nearly falls over and this girl like helps him and just sort of props him back up and is like, there you go. And just walks off and he just staring at her and you're like, he's in love. And I was like, that is the drama that I want to watch. <laughs> Why isn't that a drama? I thought that looked really cute. And like my imagination just started going wild. And I was like, oh, college aged campus drama. He's a mad famous pop star and seems real confident. But really, he's just this really cute, awkward, kind of grumpy sweetie who doesn't know how to interact with people and is super shy. And she just doesn't even know who he is. And he's completely in love with her. And she doesn't care because she's busy being a university lady. I was like, I would watch that so hard. That sounds so good. <laughs> so I think, I think I'm going to stop talking about this K-drama. Uh, I wish that Garon would go to uni and have his own show, but I would also wish that none of the other side characters from this drama were in that show and it was just him. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to stop talking about um, Let Me Be Your Night, which was boring to me <laughs> it was fine look it was fine should um I don't know that yeah normally I do a, like the best thing and the worst thing the best thing the best thing about this drama was that last little scene with Garn at uni and what that what that drama could have been and the worst thing was just the last four episodes which was so boring that they made me hate something that I'd actually quite enjoyed previously up until that point um so I'm going to stop talking now about let me be your night the 12 episode Idol rom-com from 2021. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. So that brings us to the very end of this week's episode. By us, I meant all of us, all of you guys listening and me. (laughs) (laughs) I think I said that weird. It was a weird way to say it. Anyway, it's the end of this week's episode. It's finished. It's over. Um, Thank you so much for listening, Um, especially if you're still listening, not listening. That's not a word. I feel like I need to go lie down and have a rest. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for listening. If you're still listening right here at the end, Um, I really, really appreciate all of you people who listen to this show. It's still really really amazes me thank you so much um and of course a massive massive thank you to all those wonderful listeners who support the show on patreon um thank you all so much and a very special shout out and thank you to new patreon supporter this week um lisa thank you so much lisa um i really appreciate your support um and yeah just thank you guys Um, i get a lot of messages people kind of i don't know just talking about listening to the show or listening to you know watching k-drama and stuff like this when life gets a bit tough and you know life has been pretty tough for a lot of people a lot lately maybe and i don't know it makes me happy if my weird (laughs) strange show can at all be a bit of a happy place for somebody so thank you for the messages as well so yep thanks everybody i hope you all have a really really lovely week going forward bye